happy new year to all of you that are here this afternoon physically and those that are joining us via our live streaming. As we begin this year, I would like to draw your attention to the third letter of John. The third letter of John, and I would like to read the 15 verses, but we will center our focus on verse 12, even as we begin the year, but also as we prepare uh, ourselves to partake of the Lord's Supper. Third John, I commence reading from verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gears, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephens, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to put. Let me read that. Verse 10. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Amen. We have bid farewell to 2022 with all its joys and challenges and problems. And we've welcomed 2023 with all its prospects and promises. Yet in all these changes, the only thing that remains constant about the future is its uncertainties. And as we begin this year, we all do not know what lies ahead. We do not know what joys and sorrows are there waiting. For those of us who are Christians, we can look back at the year that has gone by and say with certainty and assurance the words or echo the words of the hymn writer, how good is the God we adore. We will praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that is to come. And it's comforting to know that in the midst of uncertainties of life, there is something that is certain. And that's that God remains the same. And as we are exhorted this morning from Hebrews 13, 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what remains a, a comfort to us, that in the midst of all so many changes, God still is there and remains the same. And in this world of uncertainties, our God still remains the same. And we can trust him and know that he will be there with us. But also, as we begin this year, and most of us are making resolutions, are making plans for the year, my prayer is that each one of us has resolved or is making a resolve to live out a consistent Christian life in 2023, a consistent Christian faith. The third letter of John was written uh, to John's friend, Gias. Oh, it was written by the Apostle John, the one who wrote the first and second, and also the one who wrote uh, the Gospel of John. And he writes to Gias, this generous and warm-hearted Christian, and John is writing to him, encouraging him, on what he's doing in as far as hospitality was concerned. And here was a man who, was, who had given himself to showing hospitality to those who were like traveling preachers. And he would use his talents, his resources, and whatever it is that was at his disposal to refresh the sense. And as John writes, he also brings to his attention one in their midst who was in opposition to what was happening, Diotrophens. And as we write about Diotrophens, he basically says something about what this man is doing, and then in verse 12, he basically now brings to light or brings out the name of a man called Demetrius, and he said, this is a man that is worthy of emulating. And Demetrius was one who was consistent in his Christian faith. He was, and John is saying in verse 11, do not imitate evil, but imitate what is good. And then immediately after that, he mentioned Demetrius. And the Bible has so much to say or has so many examples of individuals who have been consistent in their faith, regardless of their situation. And I would like to consider that example of Demetrius and just draw a few lessons uh, for ourselves this afternoon. And But before we open up that verse, it is paramount that each one of us understands that God is not just interested in how you begin your race or how you end your race. He's also interested how you run the race. And when you read Hebrews 12, verse 1 through to verse 3, you see that injunction given to all of us. So not just how you start, as much as important, it's important, or how you end, but it's also how you run your race. And we see, throughout the examples of the Bible, and as we'll be seeing this afternoon, there is power in a consistent faith. And my prayer is that all of us will resolve to have a consistent faith by the grace of God as we live out our lives in this new year that we focus on what God expects each one of us to do and we will live out our lives in full view of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And so let's briefly open up verse 12 this afternoon. The first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is that a consistent testimony is held in high regard. 
A consistent testimony is held in high regard. The first part of verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Here is an individual who had a strong testimony among all believers. And here we see that God's people always hold in high regard those who have a consistent faith. A faith that can be examined, observed, and a faith that can be seen over a long haul of its consistency. And we see that all of us, when, when we think of individuals who've been very consistent in their work with God, we hold them in high regard. And so we see what John is saying about Demetrius. He was one who was respected. And the verb that John uses in the original, the verb he has received a good testimony, it is a verb that is in the perfect tense in the original language. And what that implies or signifies is that the testimony of Demetrius had been given over a long period of time and it was still effective under this abiding validity. And so it is, it is, it is, it is one that was observable and it was observable over a period of time and everyone was able to see this consistency in his walk with God. And those who knew him as a man of character and integrity were able to testify to his walk with God. And so we see here the Apostle John recommending this man to Gaius that if there was anyone worth emulating, worth imitating, it is this man. His faith is consistent. A story is told of four ministers who were discussing the pros and cons of, of various Bible translations and paraphrases of the, of the Bible. And after discussing the pros and cons, eventually each stated which version, in his opinion, is the best. So the first minister said he used the King James because the old English, rather the old English style was beautiful and produced the most relevant and revered picture of the Holy scriptures. Another one, the second one said he preferred the New American Standard Bible because he felt it, it came or it comes nearer to the original Greek and Hebrew Bible, Hebrew texts. The third minister said his favorite was the, the paraphrased living Bible because his congregation was young and it related to them in a practical way. All three men waited while the fourth minister sat silently. Finally, he said, that's the fourth minister, I guess when it comes to translations and paraphrase, uh, translation and paraphrased editions of the Bible, I like my daddy's translations because he goes on to say my father put the word of God into practice every day it was the most convincing translation and basically what the fourth minister was saying is that for him it wasn't so much which phrase but seeing an individual 
living out what he believes and reads from the scriptures and was able to say his father lived out and practiced the scriptures and therefore his father's translation was the most convincing because he was able to relate what he reads in the Bible and what he was seeing in his father's life. And so this is what we see something in the character of Demetrius. And as the Apostle John is writing to Gaius and to all of us, he's basically saying, if there's anyone worth emulating, it's not those who bring confusion in the kingdom of God and those who are loud, but it is those who can live out what they believe in their day-to-day lives. And John says, Demetrius was worth emulating because of the consistency of his testimony. He was the kind of Christian that was a good and godly example. One worth emulating as opposed to Diotrophens. God's people in every age and generation hold in highest esteem a consistent Christian testimony. It is, it is one thing to state with your mouth or with words what you believe. It is another to leave them out. And those around you see your life. And they hold in high esteem those who have a consistent testimony, a consistent Christian life, a consistent faith. And we all need to understand that we will be known and influenced by the company we keep. And though whoever influences our lives will lead us into actions or whatever influences your life will lead you into, act, into actions. And whatever examples we choose to emulate will lead us into actions and thus the actions will produce a reputation about our testimonies. And that reputation once established it is something that will be associated with you. And if your life is one that is not consistent, today you are on fire for Jesus, and tomorrow the world has captured you with all its allures, those around you, even your fellow Christians, are seeing and observing you. Resolve by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to maintain and demonstrate a good, consistent Christian life in this new year. Let those who come in contact with you say, Something of you, as the Apostle John would say about Demetrius, that is one who has received a good testimony from everyone. But secondly, we, we notice from that verse that a consistent testimony has a strong witness for walking in the truth. A consistent Testimony has a strong witness for walking in the truth. The second half of verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. So he did not just receive a good testimony from everyone, 
But John goes on to say, and from the truth itself. His life was verified by the truth itself. He walked and lived in truth. His life matched his confession. He lived his life in accordance with God's will. He, had, he was a witness of the very things he was confessing. He had the witness of the truth itself, the Bible says. Demetrius' devotion to the truth of the gospel was self-evident. His life was consistent with the truth of the Christian faith. Demetrius, Demetrius' character and doctrine were in such conformity, such agreement with the truth that the truth virtually spoke on his behalf. And John is saying this good reputation is not just from those around him, but it is from the truth. His whole life expressed a commitment to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, he, his, his life was such that, that everyone was able to say something good about him. He, was, he had this good conduct, not because he had moral principles, no, because he had received the grace of God and committed himself to live out the truth of God's word in his day-to-day -day life. And his good name was as a result of watching his life and doctrine closely. No further testimony concerning his character was needed. For the truth shone brilliantly in his life. The truth of the gospel was radiating in his own life. And you could see this marvelous match between the two, the truth and his life. And here is a man who was consistent and his consistency was a strong witness to the truth of the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here when John talks about truth, when you read 2nd John and 3rd John, or rather 2nd John and 1st John, you clearly see that the truth has to do with Christ. And that's why he says, those who come, who, those who have gone for the sake of the name, what name? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you read these three epistles, you clearly see John 14 verse 6 lived out. In John 14 verse 6, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when you read 1 John, 1 John is showing us that Jesus is the life. And then in 2 John, we see that Jesus is the way. Then in 3 John, you clearly see that it's all about Jesus being the truth. And so this man knew something of the truth, something of the truth of the gospel. And as he gave himself to the service of God, the truth spoke on his behalf. We're living at a time when Christians fail to maintain this balance, which Paul tell, instructs Timothy to watch your life and doctrine closely. 
many who watch their life and forget their doctrine, or watch their doctrine and forget their lives. Some even goes on to say if they are, they are preachers of the gospel, that it's not so much how I live, but it's what I say. Isn't it true that there are so many in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who utter all kinds of prophecies, and even if they are not yet, do not come to fruition, but somehow they try to justify what they are, they are saying or what they said. And it's simple. Their life and doctrine do not match. And if their lives is compromised, they do not even have the moral character or integrity to come and apologize if they said something that was utterly false. And hence, you see many of God's servants are losing credibility in the eyes of the world because there's no consistency of their faith. There's no consistency to holding the truth of the scriptures. And those around are able to see. Listen to what Spurgeon says. It's an example he gives under and I would like to link it to what you've just said and hope you can see uh, the analogy. So Spedron, in, uh, in his lectures to my students, this is what he wrote. Traveling on a train from Paith to Edinburgh, all of a sudden we came to a dead stop because a very small screw in one of the engines had been broken. And when we started again, we were obliged to crawl along with one piston, with one piston rod at work instead of two. Only a small screw was gone. If that had been right, the train would have rushed along its iron rod. But the absence of the small screw that, that significant piece of iron disarranged the whole thing. Now, the analogy connecting it to what we are saying is this. Spedron was basically saying, just a, a small screw that came out from one of the pistons of the train caused them to move at a snail pace. And it's a small screw, which to most of us it would be insignificant. But that small screw caused the train to move at a snail pace. But how does this apply to what we're talking about or connect a man or a Christian in all other respects? may be on point. But some small defect in their lives, in their doctrine, or in their character can, be ex can exceedingly hinder their service and their testimony around. Just a small defect in their integrity in their morality, in their doctrine, or in their consistency of their faith can cause them to be hindered in their ministry or in their service to God. And this is why it's important to, to, to watch our lives and doctrine closely. Our lives as Christians is measured up to the teaching of the scriptures. That's how we measure our commitment to God. How much of God's word are we practicing or putting into practice daily? It's not so much about our commitment to the activities of the church, but on the scriptures and the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your conduct must match your theology. 
a life of holiness, it can be produced only by the life of God within. And if God is not truly in your life, the life of holiness will be absent. And so we need to go to the drawing board. Have I been saved from my sins? And if I've been saved from my sins, do I delight in the truth of God's word and do I live it out daily, even if it means personal cost in a world that is in rebellion against God, against God rather? Let the truth of God's word testify to your conduct and your character in this year. And here we see John telling us that the consistent faith is a strong witness of walking in the truth. But in the third place, I would like to draw your attention to the third point and the third point is that a consistent testimony will have the recommendation of the leaders of the church. It will have the recommendation of the leaders of the church. The last half of verse 12. But let's read all of it. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. Our testimony is true. Here is an individual, a Christian that was held in high regard by the leaders of the church. And John is saying, we also add our testimony. So the we there might specifically be a reference to John and the other leaders or to the apostolic team or to John and the entire church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But suffice to say, John, being an apostle but also a leader, shows gears that this man I'm recommending to you, his credentials are that everyone hold him in high regard. But also the truth of the gospel and also us, the leaders, hold him in high regard and therefore we recommend him to your service. And John adds his own testimony. He speaks well of this man and he's attesting to the integrity, the godly integrity of Demetrius. And John is saying, yes, do not hesitate to welcome this man. Show him hospitality. Probably you may not know him, but his credentials are enough to cause you to open your home to such a one. John, he's saying, if you hold me and my team in high regard, then you know that what we are saying is true because we are not in the business of, of flirting or flattering with anyone in as far as recommendation of individuals is concerned. And you remember the Apostle John, obviously as he was writing this, this recommendation, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as recorded in Luke chapter 6 and verse 26 were still in his mind. In Luke chapter 6 and 26, the Bible says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. 
when the Lord Jesus Christ was saying this and saying, what to you? I'm sure when John is writing, he had that in mind. And he knew that the only way to get out of this is not simply to heap praises on an individual, but to write what is true about this person and something we ourselves can attest to. And so, John knew that to have a good testimony from all people is not always an indicator that the person is truly upright of soul or character. But John is saying, you can trust our testimony about this person. As we recognize the, the work of the Holy Spirit in this man's life, we can say without shame that this man is not receiving praises from men, but the praises are from God himself. And God has put a stamp of approval on this man. And how do we know? The truth of God himself testify to his consistency. And he says, and you know that our testimony is true. Our testimony is true. And the Apostle John is saying, here is a godly brother, a godly servant, Welcome him in your midst. Forget about this divisive leader or this divisive person who's causing havoc and has no regard for the authority of the leaders in the church. Forget him. There's this brother. We ourselves can testify to his life. And this is something I want to challenge all of us this afternoon. Particularly those that are younger in age and also in their walk with the Lord. A consistent, a consistent testimony will have the recommendation of the elders of the church, the mature leaders in the church, other Christians in the church. Some of you young people find it hard when the elders fail to endorse something that you want. Maybe it's uh, you're interested in this particular guy, you're interested in this particular lady. And you come, and the elders know your life. They know your involvement. And they are more concerned about your work with God. And when they bring these things out to you, you begin to accuse them of, of showing favoritism. And yet, your response or reaction to their counsel is as good as saying to them, look, I know you know me, but for the sake of what I want to do, can you bend your integrity and agree with what I want? That's exactly what you're saying. That yes, you know me, yes, that, no doubt. But there's this job I want. There's this girl I want. There's this guy I want. Can you just bend your integrity and just say, I'm good? Then I'll, I'll commit myself. And when they say no, it's all no, the elders choose. They've got favorites. Yet you forget that these are the same men that pray for you. In your times of crisis, they were there. But simply because at this point when they point out something into your life, you're saying, I would rather have your recommendation. I achieve what I want. Then we can sort out those matters. 
for a number of years, I never understood why the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel when he healed the lepers or healed someone, he would say, go show yourself to the leaders. And I think people have understood now. (laughs) Because in those days, the Pharisees were deemed as the custodians of the law of God. And if the Pharisees declared you unclean. They were the only ones who stood at a better platform to say to the community, he's now clean. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ would say, go show yourself to the leaders. Because these are the ones that said you're unclean. If they see you're clean and they say to the rest he's clean, everyone would have, would have no difficulties in welcoming you. And I think there is a place of having recommendation from your elders, but also from godly, mature Christians. People who have had a consistent testimony, when they put a stamp of approval on you, most likely the larger body of God's people or the body of God's people will be able to accept you because of the recommendation of individuals who have a consistent testimony of their work with God. And John is saying, we also add our testimony to the integrity and the godly character of this individual. And you know that our testimony is true. And as we begin this year, my goal is not to make all of us to become Pharisees as it were, because simply we are looking at receiving endorsement or becoming legalistic in our approach. It's to challenge each one of us to live our Christian life in line with what God's word says. So that as we conduct ourselves at a home group, uh, uh, at the ministry level, our goal is that whatever we do is God's word in agreement with what we want to do. And ultimately, if our conduct, our service is in line with God's revealed will, you'll have a good testimony from others. And you'll have the recommendation of mature and godly Christians. Why? Because the word of God is at the center of your life. Everything, you bring it into subjection of what the scriptures say. And this is what will bring about a total transformation in the life of this church and in the lives of our communities. As each one of us carries the light of the gospel, into our schools, communities, and workplaces, people will see Christ in us. And as I conclude, I just want to say a few things as before we transition into the Lord's Supper. A consistent testimony makes our Savior to be celebrated. As people see Christ in us, the name of our Savior is celebrated because as they speak good of you, they recognize that it's not simply because this person has high morals. It's because this person has a high view of his God or she has a high view of her God.
God receives the honor and the glory. As non-Christians see you, as the trials of life come, you still stand in your faith and testimony. In spite of those trials, God is honored by the faith of his people. But also a consistent faith brings sinners to conviction. Because they begin to see that this is not just about being a church on Sunday. There is more to this life. As you stand your grounds, as you show your integrity, your conduct, as I watch you carry your day-to-day life, your day-to-day tasks, your day-to-day duties, they begin to see. And some are brought to the conviction of their sins. Others, they may still mock you, but they can tell that whenever they want to do something wrong, they'll say, no, let's wait for this guy to go. Then we can scheme whatever it is you want to scheme because they know as long as you are there, no one would dare to go ahead with their plans. And the last thing is this. A consistent faith is a living epistle of God in the life of his children. You are a living epistle, a letter from God to show God's life written all over you and around you. And don't think for a moment that the world is not seeing your life. They are. They see your faith. They see your peace in turbulent times. They see your actions. They see what God is doing in your life. But they also see your shortcomings, your inconsistencies. And sometimes you put them off with your inconsistencies. Resolve to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Friends will oppose you. Foes will beset you. But resolve that by the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, I will seek to emulate my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only person who was consistent in his life, in his conduct, even in his truth, that even when he was nailed to the cross, there no one could find an inconsistency in his life. And as he said, Father, forgive them. He was opening a door of salvation that all who come to him in faith and repentance will live his life in this wicked world. And as we come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, May your resolve and my resolve be that as long as God grants us grace, I will be consistent in my life. Why? Because of Christ who died for me and who was consistent in everything he did and has given me the Holy Spirit to help me in my frailties so that I may live his life for his glory in this sinful and wicked world. Let's pray together.
Father, we ask that your word that was preached this morning and this afternoon may find room in our hearts. That as we begin this year, that Lord, our goal will be to have a consistent testimony among our brethren and among the people of this world. And we ask, oh God, that may you help us to live out that life. And this will only be true if we are consistent and serious about our intake, our reading of your word. May you help all of us, O oh God, to treasure your word and to live according to your will for your glory. And as we come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we ask that you cause each one of us to pause in silence of heart and repent of any known sin so that as we think of the death of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll do it with thankfulness, with singing and rejoicing, but with solemnity as we think of the cost of our salvation. Father, be with us now as we break bread and drink the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 